What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Experience the best in relaxation and entertainment with Saul Good Streaming at SaulGood.org. Our extensive library features hundreds of audiobooks, thousands of short stories, original podcasts, and popular sounds for sleep, meditation, and relaxation all ad-free. Whether you want to escape into a good book or fall asleep to your favorite ambient sound, we have something for everyone. Go to SaulGood.org to start streaming and discover your new go-to for entertainment and relaxation. That's S-O-L-G-O-O-D dot O-R-G. Chapter 20. Poisons in Fiction From a very early period, poisoning mysteries have been woven into romance and story, and in later times have been a favorite theme for both novelist and dramatist. But, unfortunately, the scientific knowledge of writers of fiction, as a rule, is of a very limited description, and the effects attributed by them to certain drugs are usually as fabulous as the romances of the olden times. They tell us of mysterious poisons of untold power, an infinitesimal quantity of which will cause instantaneous death without leaving a trace behind they describe anaesthetic so powerful that a whiff from a bottle is sufficient to produce immediate insensibility for any period desired in fact the novelist has a pharmacopoeia of his own after all why should we question or cavil and wish to analyze it in the prosaic test-tube of modern science for take away the marvels and mysteries and you kill the romance the novel performs its mission if it succeeds in interesting and amusing us, and the storyteller has accomplished the object of his art when he is successful in weaving the possible with the impossible, so that we can scarce perceive it. That master of fiction, Dumas, gives us an instance of this in his wonderfully fascinating adventures of the Count of Monte Cristo. Nothing seems impossible to this extraordinary individual, and incident after incident of the most romantic and exciting nature crowd one upon another throughout the story. Yet so beautifully blended by the wonderful imagination of the author that it enthralls us to the end. The Count, who is supposed to have studied the art of medicine in the East, has always a remedy at hand for every emergency, from hashish, in which he is a profound believer, to his mysterious stimulating elixir, described as of the color of blood preserved in a phial of bohemian glass. A single drop of this marvelous fluid, if allowed to fall on the lips, will almost, before it reaches them, restore the marble and inanimate form to life. His pill-boxes were composed of emeralds and precious stones of huge size, and their contents consisted of drugs whose effects were beyond conception. His knowledge of chemistry and toxicology is equally astonishing, as instanced in the conversation he holds with Madame de Villefort, who, for nefarious purposes, desires to improve her knowledge of poisons. 
monte cristo discourses on the poisonous properties of brucine a drug rarely used in england but largely used in france suppose says the count you were to take a milligram of this poison the first day two milligrams the second day and so on well at the end of ten days you would have taken a centigram at the end of twenty days increasing another milligram you would have taken three hundred centigrams that is to say a dose you would support without inconvenience and which would be very dangerous for any other person who had not taken the same precautions as yourself well then at the end of a month when drinking water from the same carafe you would kill the person who had drunk this water without your perceiving otherwise than from slight inconvenience that there was any poisonous substance mingled with the water the count thus explains the doctrine of immunity from a poison by accustoming the system to its effect in small doses for a length of time a process which is actually possible with some drugs but not with all his satirical description of the bungling of the common poisoner as compared to the fine subtlety and cunning he advocates is also worth quoting amongst us a simpleton possessed by the demon of hate or cupidity who has an enemy to destroy or some near relation to dispose of goes straight to the grocers or druggists gives a false name which leads more easily to his detection than his real one and purchases under a pretext that the rats prevent him from sleeping five or six pennyworth of arsenic if he is really a cunning fellow he goes to five or six different druggists or grocers and thereby becomes only five or six times more easily traced then when he has acquired his specific he administers duly to his enemy or near kinsman a dose of arsenic which would make a mammoth or mastodon burst and which without rhyme or reason makes his victim utter groans which alarm the whole neighbourhood then arrive a crowd of policemen and constables they fetch a doctor who opens the dead body and collects from the entrails and stomach a quantity of arsenic in a spoon next day a hundred newspapers relate the fact with the names of the victim and the murderer the same evening the grocer or grocers druggist or druggists come and say it is i who sold the arsenic to the gentleman accused and rather than not recognize the guilty purchaser they will recognize twenty then the foolish criminal is taken imprisoned interrogated confronted confounded condemned and cut off by hemp or steel or if she be a woman of any consideration they lock her up for life this is the way in which you northerners understand chemistry and so he endeavours to incite a woman who is already anxiously contemplating a series of terrible crimes the recital of the ingenious experiments of the abbe adelmont is a piece of clever construction as the quotation will show the abbe said monte cristo had a remarkably fine garden full of vegetables flowers and fruit from amongst these vegetables he selected the most simple a cabbage for instance for three days he watered this cabbage with a distillation of arsenic on the third the cabbage began to droop and turn yellow at that moment he cut it 
in the eyes of everybody it seemed fit for table and preserved its wholesome appearance it was only poisoned to the abbe adelmont he then took the cabbage to the room where he had rabbits for the abbe adelmont had a collection of rabbits cats and guinea pigs equally fine as his collection of vegetables flowers and fruit well the abbe adelmont took a rabbit and made it eat a leaf of the cabbage the rabbit died what magistrate would find or even venture to insinuate anything against this what procureur du roy has ever ventured to draw up an accusation against monsieur magendie or monsieur floriens in consequence of the rabbits cats and guinea-pigs they have killed not one so then the rabbit dies and justice takes no notice this rabbit dead the abbe adelmont has his entrails taken out by his cook and thrown on the dunghill on this dunghill was a hen who pecking these intestines was in her turn taken ill and dies next day at the moment when she was struggling in the convulsions of death a vulture was flying by there are a good many vultures in adelmont's country this bird darts on the dead bird and carries it away to a rock where it dines off its prey three days afterwards this poor vulture who has been very much indisposed since that dinner feels very giddy suddenly whilst flying aloft in the clouds and falls heavily into a fish-pond the pike eels and carp eat greedily always as everybody knows well they feast on the vulture well suppose the next day one of these eels or pike or carp is served at your table poisoned as they are to the third generation well then your guest will be poisoned in the fifth generation and die at the end of eight or ten days of pains in the intestines sickness or abscess of the pylorus the doctors open the body and say with an air of profound learning the subject has died of a tumour on the liver or typhoid fever after attempting to kill half the household with brucine madame de villefort changes her particular poison for a simple narcotic recognized by monte cristo who in this instance frustrates the murderer as being dissolved in alcohol the name of the latter poison is not told us by the novelist but on the doctor's examination of the suspected liquid we read he took from its silver case a small bottle of nitric acid dropped a little of it into the liquor which immediately changed to a blood-red colour perhaps the most curious method of poisoning ever used in fiction is that introduced by the late mr james payne in his novel halves the poisoner uses finely chopped horsehair as a medium for getting rid of her niece in this way she brings on a disease which puzzles the doctor until one day he comes across the would-be murderess pulling the horsehair out of the drawing-room sofa which causes him to suspect her at once this ingenious lady introduced the chopped horsehair into the pepper-pot used by her victim the inimitable count fosco whom wilkie collins introduces into the woman in white was supposed to possess a remarkable knowledge of chemistry although he says only twice did i call science to my aid in working out his plot to abduct lady glyde his media were simple 
a medicated glass of water and a medicated bottle of smelling salts relieved her of all further embarrassment and alarm this genial villain waxes eloquent on the science of chemistry in his confession chemistry he exclaims has always had irresistible attractions for me from the enormous the illimitable power which the knowledge of it confers chemists i assert it emphatically might sway if they pleased the destinies of humanity mind they say rules the world but what rules the mind the body now follow me closely here lies at the mercy of the most omnipotent of all potentates the chemist give me fosco chemistry and when shakespeare has conceived hamlet and sits down to execute the conception with a few grains of powder dropped into his daily food i will reduce his mind by the action of his body till his pen pours out the most abject drivel that has ever degraded paper under similar circumstances revive me the illustrious newton i guarantee that when he sees the apple fall he shall eat it instead of discovering the principle of gravitation nero's dinner shall transform nero into the mildest of men before he has done digesting it and the morning draught of alexander the great shall make alexander run for his life at the first sight of the enemy the same afternoon on my sacred word of honor it is lucky for society that modern chemists are by incomprehensible good fortune the most harmless of mankind the mass are worthy fathers of families who keep shops the few are philosophers besotted with admiration for the sound of their own lecturing voices visionaries who waste their lives on fantastic impossibilities or quacks whose ambition soars no higher than our corns in armadale the same novelist introduces us to a poisoner of the deepest dye in the persons of miss gwilt this fair damsel whose auburn locks seemed to have possessed an irresistible attraction for the opposite sex was addicted to taking laudanum to soothe her troubled nerves and first tried to mix a dose with some lemonade she had prepared for her husband's namesake and friend whom she wished out of the way this attempt failing and a second one to scuttle a yacht in which he was sailing proving futile also he was finally lured to a sanatorium in london where she had arranged for him to be placed to sleep in a room into which a poisonous gas presumably carbonic acid was to be passed at the last moment she discovers her husband has taken the place of her victim and in a revulsion of feeling she rescues him and ends her own life instead in the poisoned chamber according to the story the medical investigation which followed this tragedy ended in discovering that she had died of apoplexy a fact which had it occurred in real life would not have redounded to the credit of the medical men who conducted it the heroine of mr benson's novel the rubicon poisons herself with prussic acid of unheard-of strength which she discovers among some photographic chemicals on the stage poisoning has gone somewhat out of fashion with modern dramatists although it was a common thing in years gone by for the villain of the play to swallow a cup of cold poison in the last act 
and after several dying speeches to fall suddenly flat on his back and die to slow music the death of cleopatra described by shakespeare as resulting from the bite of a venomous snake is like no clinical description of the final effects of death from the bite of any known snake beverley in the gamester takes a dose of strong poison in the fifth act and afterwards makes several fairly long speeches before he apparently feels the effects and finally succumbs the description of the death of Juliet, which Shakespeare, in all probability, conceived from reading the effects that followed the drinking of Morion or Mandragora wine, is an accurate description of death from that drug. The use of this anodyne preparation to deaden pain dates from ancient times, and it is stated it was a common practice for women to administer it to those about to suffer the penalty of the law by being crucified. We have another instance of the fabulous effects ascribed to poisons by the early playwrights, in Massinger's play, The Duke of Milan. Francisco dusts over a plant some poisonous powder and hands it to Eugenia. Ludovico approaches and kisses the lady's hand but twice, and then dies from the effects of the poison. Miss Helen Mathers, in one of her recent works, viz. The Sin of Hagar, a story warranted to thrill the soul of Sweet Seventeen, makes some extraordinary discoveries which will be new to chemists. For instance, she tells us of strychnine that actually discolors a glass of whiskey and water. One of the characters, a frisky old dowager, professes to be an amateur chemist, and this lady, we are gravely informed by the novelist, detects the presence of the strychnine in the glass of whiskey and water at a glance. But Miss Mathers has still other poison, whose properties will doubtless be a revelation to scientists, and it is with this marvellous body the double-dyed villainess of the story puts an end to her woes. For convenience she carries it about with her, concealed in a ring, and when at last she decides on committing suicide, we are told she simply placed the ring to her lips, a strange odor spread through the room, and she instantly lay dead. Sufficient eccentricities of this kind in fiction might be enumerated to fill a volume, but we must forbear. It is perhaps hardly necessary to state that the lady novelist is the greatest sinner in this respect, and stranger poisons are evolved from her fertile brain than were ever known to man. End of chapter 20 Experience the best in relaxation and entertainment with Saul Good Streaming at SaulGood.org. Our extensive library features hundreds of audiobooks, thousands of short stories, original podcasts, and popular sounds for sleep, Meditation and relaxation all ad-free. Whether you want to escape into a good book or fall asleep to your favorite ambient sound, we have something for everyone. Go to solgood.org to start streaming and discover your new go-to for entertainment and relaxation. That's S-O-L-G-O-O-D dot O-R-G.